Today on Abounding Grace. What makes you and I valuable is what God has deposited in us. Okay, keep that in mind. Because here's where, here's where things go wrong in the church of Jesus Christ. Very important for you to grasp this. If it's already something you've grasped, then it's very important for us to be reminded of this. For us that are serving God, for those of us that look to people that serve God, that for those of us that God has used somebody greatly in our lives, somebody we look up to, we like to listen to, study, somebody that we like to serve with, here's where things go wrong. You ready? Vessels are often looked to as more valuable than the treasure. This is amazing grace. This is You may have noticed here at Abounding Grace, we're all about preaching and exalting Christ and studying His Word. You know, that really should be the focus of any life and ministry. If it isn't, we've gotten off track. As we turn back to 2 Corinthians today, we notice some in the church had lost focus. They received this letter from the Apostle Paul reminding them that the ministry is to be about Jesus and not about themselves. It's a good reminder for us today, as we so often struggle in that department. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're introduced to the culprit working behind the scenes, contributing to this problem. Let's join Pastor Ed Taylor now. Paul saw the ministry, and if you'll remember, we define the ministry as serving people. Yes, we're serving the Lord, but when we're thinking of ministry, we're thinking of serving people. He saw it as a merciful gift from God. We saw that in the first two verses last time. Therefore, since we have this ministry, it's verse 1, chapter 4, 2 Corinthians. As we have also received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we've renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled... I mean, he's saying, remember, he's in a place of defending himself. And now he's making allowances to try to show the power of God. He says, hey, even if what they said is true, it's not. But even if it was, even if the gospel was veiled and it's only veiled to those that are perishing, those that don't want to understand, verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is, in the, who is the image of God should shine on them. I mean, Paul has just said he has nothing to hide, but he was sharing the truth openly and not everybody understood it. Not everybody received it. Not everybody responded favorably to it. Not everybody grasped it. It's very similar to you, isn't it? You could tell someone about Jesus this week. You could talk to 10 people And there's a good chance that nine of them, perhaps even all ten of them, will just scratch their heads and say, I don't get it. I don't understand. They might even, now now of course that's the nice way of saying it. Other people might respond very negatively and, well, that's for you or that's a crutch or I don't believe in God. I can't believe you believe in the myth. There's a lot of responses, but they just don't get it. 
I want you to see that in Paul's ministry, something very similar happened. There are many that just don't get it. They don't understand it. He used the picture already of the veil back in chapter 3, verse 13. The veil, it's a covering, it blocks. And I think it's important for us to remember that not everyone is going to understand or be ready to understand the truths of the gospel. Hold your places here. Turn back a few pages to chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. So back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Not everybody's going to understand. A lot of times we get so disappointed when people, we, we've practiced, we know the gospel, we, we've readied ourselves, we've studied up, and then when we finally get the opportunity to share, there's no response, or it's a negative response, and it can be so discouraging. But remember this as you're sharing. Look at church, chapter 2, verse 14 of 1 Corinthians. Remember this. This is a simple truth we studied when we went through this book earlier but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned these are the characteristics of an unbeliever they don't understand it's veiled to them now as those of us that now follow Jesus were born again we can understand this a little more clearer we can say there was a time when I didn't understand or like the testimony of the blind man that was healed I was all I know is I was once blind But now I see. Well, this is the spiritual way of saying this. It's the same thing. There is a blindness in unbelievers that they don't understand. So you want to be prepared and you want to study and you want to be ready. But understand only God can open their eyes. Only God saves. That should be a great relief to you. You you don't have to carry the weight of saving people. Nor do you even have to be concerned about saving people. God makes it very easy for us. Just be faithful. Be a faithful man, a faithful woman, a faithful follower of Jesus. Know the word, study yourself to show yourself approved. Be a man or woman of prayer. Open your mouth and talk to people about the things of God. Help them in their time of distress. Answer their questions. Get answers for their questions. But understand that there is a blindness in their lives that only God can take away. There's no conviction in an unbeliever's heart. There's no depth of understanding, no connection. Connection, And the good news is this. Even with that, God still uses us. And we're a vital part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He uses us to share the word of God because we learn from Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 1, that the gospel is the very power of God unto salvation for all who believe, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4 says. It is a powerful tool that when it goes forth it won't return void be careful when you're discouraged because jesus said this jot it down john chapter 6 verse 44 no one can come to me jesus speaking unless the father who sent me draws him and then i'll raise him up in the last day or paul would say describing evangelism or ministering to people serving people and telling them about jesus first corinthians chapter 3 verse 6 he said i planted And Apollos watered, but God gave the increase so that neither he who plants or is anything or he who waters, but it's God that gives the increase. So Paul's there too. And there is a spiritual thing going on back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Did you notice he gave the devil a name with a little g? He calls him the God of this age. This is another term describing the work of Satan. He's also called the prince of this world in John chapter 12. 
He's also called the ruler of this world, John chapter 14. He's also called the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. John would say in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, that the, we know that we are of God, John writes, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we're not going to pause to develop this at all, but I would suggest to you that last verse, that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. If you don't currently believe that, open your eyes. If you don't currently believe that there is a definite dark evil influence in the world that has encapsulated our world system, the population of our world, please open your eyes and pray that God would give you understanding. There is a significant battle going on and we don't really have time to develop it, but simply the things that are going on in our own country would be enough to open our eyes to the battle and motivate us to jump in and be a part of the work of God in these last days. Let me ask you this. Is it possible for the whole world to be wrong? Yes or no? I'm glad. That's good. I don't have to repeat it. <laughs> it is possible. Truly, the older a person gets along that road of wrongness, the harder it is to convince them of the truth. Because something happens as age is added to you going in the wrong direction. There is a wall of pride that builds up. And as you're sharing the gospel, it even becomes more difficult with those that are more mature because, well, we call them more set in their ways. But the Bible would say that they're stuck in pride, not willing to open their eyes to the truth. Now, it's true in any age, it's in it true for any of us that would go in the direction for so long because we would not only have to admit that God is right, but truly all of this time also be able to admit that I was wrong all this time. I thought that was interesting that Paul would associate the veiledness and some of the lies going on into the spiritual warfare of the God of this age who is actively blinding people to the truth, which is another great difficult battle that is fought. So how do we fight it? Verse 5, we do not preach ourselves, this is back in verse chapter 4, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For it's God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. You know, we can get, if we left the Bible study just right now and go, okay, it's really hard and it's really difficult and it's very dark, it's very difficult, it's going to be harder. And as you're sharing, it feels like you're hitting your head up against the wall and that's just the way it's going to be until God opens their eyes. But then Paul says, no, 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 it's not bad. It's not that bad because we preach Jesus and remember that God commanded light out of darkness. You know what he's referring to? The creation story. He's referring to the true story of God's creation where God literally commanded light to come out of darkness. And what happened? Light in the instant. Paul's saying, look at the, look at the history of your God. God is able, well, yeah, but the, my daddy's so, it's just, you know, I know, I understand what you mean. Yeah, my daddy's so far. I know, but God can command light in the darkness. Don't give up. And my sister, you know, she just, well, you, you don't give up because in an instant, God can command light in the darkness and bring conviction to the heart. But here's the deal. It goes hand in hand with preaching Jesus and not ourselves. How do you, when you're sharing Jesus, how can you preach yourself? Well, you can take on and argue with people instead of just telling them the truth. You can begin to emphasize you and all the things that are going on in you and not emphasize the work of God in your life. 
you know, when we open up from time to time, as we will very in the very near future, we open up a time just as the Lord leads for testimony. I always give a little bit of, because we just open it up, we just want the Spirit of God to lead, and I always give a little bit of direction of being careful with your testimony, and it would be do well to remind you of that today. As you pray about, I go, oh, is there going to be a time of testimony? I really want to share what God's done in my life. Well, be ready for it because when we gave that call, we just open it up and all night we just hear the work of God, the gospel flowing through your life. But when you come to give testimony, it actually isn't about you. It's about the work of God in you. And if you're not careful, you get three minutes and two minutes and 58 seconds is all about you. And then you get two, oh yeah, and then, you know, I'm saved. Thank you. And you have to be careful because you're so excited And you might even believe, actually, that salvation had more to do with you than with the work of God in you. And you want, we don't preach our, Paul says, this was a particular, now that's the broader scope, but this is a particular defense. He says, we don't preach ourselves. You guys know it. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus. And if we ever do mention ourselves, it's just as a servant. That's what he means there in verse 5. We don't preach ourselves. It's not about us. God commanded light. Out of the darkness. He's shown our hearts. He's given it to our hearts. Verse 6. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we know the truth of God is because God opened up. You know, and Paul could ask. You can just jot this down for homework. But Paul, he could speak from experience. Because what happened to him on the road to Damascus? He was knocked off his beast. And what happened? A light shone down in the darkness of his soul. But it was also a literal light. And he was changed. Acts chapter 9, you could see he's not only talking about, I think, uh, the true story of creation and how God unfolded the creation of the world, but also his own life. It started with the light, a literal light in his life. Like God just gave it to him. He said, you're not going to be taking down the church, Paul, Saul, Tarsus. You're going to be my number one evangelist. (laughs) I love it. God is so good. He just loves to surprise us. So what does he say in verse 7? He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So Paul now shifts from the picture and the metaphor of the veil to this picture of the pot, a clay pot, this vessel, this earthen vessel. Clay pots, very, very common uh, in the ancient world in the first century, clay pots. They, were just, they would be our modern day Tupperware, just pots. They would just be used for everything. They would be put water and food and they carried clay pots, earthen pots, just normal, ordinary pots. So let's define some terms, just two terms that are mentioned here. We have treasure, and the treasure is the gospel, the the very presence of God. The treasure in us is the work of God in us, and the vessel is you and me. We're the earthen vessels. The treasure is what God puts in us. So apart from the treasure, we're just a pot. We're just a clay pot. We're just a Tupperware. Just an ordinary bowl. Just simple. But with the treasure in us, it makes the bowl pretty valuable. Makes the bowl very nice and wonderful and useful. And in that day, they used clay pots for everything. You'd store your stuff in them, your food, earthenware vessels are common in every home in the ancient world. They were inexpensive. While not disposable, they would be reused and cleaned and remade into something. And God has done that same work in us, putting his treasure in the earthen vessel. Here's where things go wrong. So hopefully you're convinced. You're just the clay pot. That's what you are. You're just a clay pot. You're made of dust. 
And what makes you and I valuable is what God has deposited in us. Okay, keep that in mind. Because here's where, here's where things go wrong in the church of Jesus Christ. Very important for you to grasp this. If it's already something you've grasped, then it's very important for us to be reminded of this. For us that are serving God, for those of us that look to people that serve God, for those of us that God has used somebody greatly in our lives, somebody we look up to, we like to listen to, study, somebody that we like to serve with, here's where things go wrong. You ready? Vessels are often looked as, at as more important than the treasure. Vessels, this is a big problem in the church, are often looked to as more valuable than the treasure. Now remember our definitions. Let me rephrase it for you. The people that God uses are often seen as more important than the God that uses them. You tracking with me? We live in a culture of popularity and celebrity. And the church is not immune to that, unfortunately. We have to be careful that we remember it's earthen pots. That's you and me, clay pots, earthen vessels that has made, been made very valuable by the treasure that's inside. So pastors and teachers and leaders are often elevated to places that we simply do not belong. Never, ever It's not about the vessel. It's always about Jesus. And I think this. I think that any true servant of God, when he or she is magnified by someone else, we ought to feel a little shaky and a bit embarrassed by that. Because there is that temptation to take the credit for only what God has done. And God is going to use you. I want you to know that. This is not just for me, although as I was studying, this is very much for me. But it's not just for me. You're like sitting back there going, yeah, Ed, you know, preach it to yourself there, buddy. You're the pastor. And believe me, I receive it because uh, I have not ever, I'm not immune from having been puffed up by my own pride. Um, That's not a pretty place to be. And thankfully, as heads begin to swell, God has a pen where he just comes in and pow. And it's a very painful process, right? You can humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Or if you refuse to humble yourself, God will humble you for you. And so it certainly is for me. I receive this as from the Lord for myself. That if there is any type of propping me up in any way, just don't do it. It's embarrassing. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about what he's done and what he continues to do. It's not about, just think about it, you're, you're praising the clay pot. Oh, what a great clay pot you are. No. No, it's the treasure. Be careful, church, of those both in leadership and not that would encourage you to praise them or would come to you and even go so far as demand from you a respect that only goes to the Lord. It's like, well, you know, I'm very important. And you can just, anybody ever tells you that, you can just say, no, you're not. Unless they're your boss, and just be careful with that. You can walk away thinking that. But I'm talking about in the church, like, well, you know how important I am. You can ask them, how important are you, clay pot? (laughs) Tupperware? (laughs) You know, when you put the Tupperware in the microwave and you burn chili in it or something, and it's all messed up? Tell them that, Tupperware burn chili. (laughs) How important are you? I thought it was the treasure. 
And so whether somebody's demanding it from you or, or coercing you, it's, it, here's the hard part. In the church, there are manipulators. There are people that would take their position that God has given to them. It's his position, not theirs, and use it in a way to take advantage of you. We learned that last time, remember, for filthy lucre. What a word. Just dishonest gain to take advantage of you because your heart, we as believers, we really do love Jesus. We really do want to worship Jesus, and no one should ever get in the way of that. Don't lift up the earthen vessel. Earthen vessels are not unlike you and me. We do think that, though. All I need to do is mention Billy Graham. Oh, Billy Graham. Did God use him greatly? You bet. So who gets praised? The treasure, not the pot. I think of Pastor Chuck Smith, who we've had here. Very wonderful man of God. My pastor, Jeff Johnson or any of the men that that I've had the privilege of meeting, that God has used greatly in my life. It's not about the clay pot. It's about the treasure. That's what Paul says. We are these earthen vessels. That's us. We have this treasure, this treasure in earthen vessels. the, The danger about our lives is that God does use, and he has chosen to use, and he will continue to use until the coming of the Lord, earthen vessels. He's using people to reach people. That is his will. That's what he's unfolded. God does use the earthen vessels. He does use the chili stained Tupperware. And when you begin to be used, God deposits that treasure in us because he's chosen to use us. And if we're not careful, we'll look to the vessel. And it's just wrong. That is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and we've been in 2 Corinthians 4 today, learning that in life and ministry, Jesus is to get all the glory. Pastor Ed, let's say we're really blessed and thankful for something someone said or did. What would be a good way to express our appreciation to them while being careful to give the credit to the treasure? Well, Larry, I think God has planted in us this desire both to express our appreciation and receive it. So I think we should express our appreciation a lot more than we normally do. Now, I know there is this little doctrine that goes around or this teaching that goes around that says, hey, be careful not to thank anyone publicly because it might steal their reward. And and I just don't believe that you can take the rewards away from someone by telling them how much you appreciate them. And with technology the way it is today, I think saying thank you in a variety of ways is much easier, whether it's by a text message or a voicemail or be able to talk to someone, maybe shoot them an email, connect with them on social media uh, through all the direct messages. Uh, But there's so many ways. You can write a card and drop it in the mail. Uh, if, if it's a pastor, you can, you know, maybe get a gift card to a, for a restaurant or something. But I do think we need to express our pre- appreciation a lot more than we are right now. Just really encouraging someone in the Lord. And whether you say thank you, that was really from the Lord, or just thank you for that kind word, those that phrase thank you can go a long way. So let's make a point and a commitment to increase our expressions of appreciation this week and watch the Lord bless it. That is very helpful. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. 
To hear today's message again, go to calvaryco.church. And we have a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series in 2 Corinthians. Search for Calvary Aurora and download our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app, too. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world. But we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us with financial and or prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit calvaryco.church or call 877-30-GRACE. And as you give $25 or more today, we'll say thanks by sending you contented in all things peace. Does contentment seem sort of like an elusive target to you? We live in a world that pushes us to always strive for more and never be satisfied with what we have. That certainly doesn't help matters, does it? But the Lord wants us to experience true contentment and peace, and it can happen. And the Bible points the way. Allow Pastor Jeff Geip to reveal the pathway to contentment to you in this book called Contentment. Call 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryco.church on the web to make a secure donation. We'll get right back into 2 Corinthians tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.